0: Aloha. This is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. When you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Luke 14, 13 to 14. On Monday, when my sermon goes up on our website, there's a a page that the sermon is is held on. And on that page, there's going to be a new button. The new button will be a link to a video uh, that I've created that kind of just goes behind the scenes look at a sermon. So a sermon is kind of like, the, the cream of uh, the brown cow yogurt is kind of like the top, but there's a lot of uh, in-depth study um, that goes into figuring out what the Lord is saying through the passage. And so I just kind of bring that out. It's about 20, 25 minutes. I've also did it for my last sermon. I just didn't mention it, but you can go and look at it. So for those of you who are um, just wanting to know like, hey, how do you study your Bible a little deeper? What's kind of the process of creating a sermon for those of you budding preachers? Uh, it might be an encouragement for you. Um, and if you don't, that's fine as well, but at least the opportunity is available for you. Uh, before we start, uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we look at you right now, we set our mind on things above, and Lord, we are enamored uh, at your glory, your, your vastness, your creativity as we see the ko'alaos and, and feel this perfect weather and uh, think of the beach that you've made. Um, Lord, we, are, uh, we praise you for what, what you have, have made and who you are. Lord, we don't assume an audience before you just because we're ready. Um, Lord, we do pause in your presence now. And Lord, we, we come to you with expectant hearts, expectant that you would work in us through your word, that you would strengthen us, that you would challenge us, that you would comfort us. Lord, would you speak through me by your Holy Spirit? Would you be with my brothers and sisters? May we all be changed. Those who are joining with us online, unable to join us, or due to sickness, or for travels, we ask for a special mercy upon them today. Um, Lord, would you encourage them that they are part of our Hohana. Uh, it's in Jesus' name, amen. I was 26 years old when I met him. Uh, obviously, I was a bit younger, and I had some more time on my hands. I didn't have kids, I didn't have a job that required me to go to every day. And so I, I spent some of my days walking around Kailua town talking to the homeless men who I would see. At the time I was reading a lot of passages like the one we'll read today where where we hear about Jesus' heart for the poor and Jesus loves the poor and, and I was like, Well I I love the poor, at least I want to. Where can I find some poor people? And I was like, Well, Walgreens, harder Hawaii. So I'm walking over there and I see this, you know, middle aged, probably like fifties or so homeless man sitting besides Goodwill, and I start talking with him and I hear a story. He was a Boeing airline engineer. Um, had a successful career, an unsuccessful family life. He had gotten married, and she had divorced him. They had two kids together, and they had disowned him. They hadn't talked to their dad in 10 years at this point. And so five years earlier, from that place of brokenness, this man bought a one-way ticket from the mainland out to Hawaii, came to Hawaii with everything he owned, his credit card, his driver's license, a, a suitcase of stuff, and he arrives on island, and he walks to the local bar to have a drink. Well, he continues to have a few more drinks. The next thing he remembers, he's waking up the next morning under a tree with nothing but the shirt on his back. He'd lost his driver's license, his ID, his clothes. He was stranded in Hawaii homeless and no ID for himself. And this broke my heart as it it would yours and as it breaks the Lord. And and as my heart was broken for him, I was like, oh, well, Jesus loves the poor. And what good is it if I just say, hey, be blessed and be fed and I walk away? I'm going to do something about it. I got some time. So I get my car, drive around. I help him into the passenger seat. We drive to the closest social services area and I run inside and I'm all excited. I'm like, I got one. I got one. He needs a license. He needs an ID. We got to help him. And the lady's like, you got one what? Like a homeless person. He needs help. Let's help him. And so she was like, can he come in? I was like, no, he's too weak. Can you come out? Of course. And so she grac- graciously comes out, starts talking to him, and this man starts falling asleep on this social worker. And I'm like, come on, man, it's your chance. Five years you've been waiting for this. Wake up, buddy. And he, he can't stay awake for the conversation. And so the lady says, I'm sorry, I can't help you if he can't have a conversation. Let him get some rest, come back later. I'm like, ah. okay. So I drive away, and I'm like, oh, wait a second. What am I going to do with a sleeping homeless man in my car? <laughs> what would you do? Uh, my, my time for helping the homeless people was running out. And I was like, well, I couldn't, you know, just kick him out. That wouldn't be nice. And so I do what any other slightly lunatic old person would do. And I bring him home. I carry him. I put him on my couch. And I wait outside so that I can tell my bride, hey, we have a surprise visitor tonight. <laughs> I do not recommend you do the same thing. <laughs> but Liz was gracious. Um well, this, this homeless man, he sleeps for a full 24 hours straight, doesn't wake up. Next day, we give him some coffee, a big breakfast, We start talking a little bit more. Um, and, and I decide I'm going to give him the opportunity of a lifetime, an invitation that he can't refuse. I want to get him a, an ID, a job, and a home. That's what I'm going to do for you. I'll give you two weeks. I'll take two weeks of vacation. I'll pour all my energy into you. Will you accept this invitation? What would he do? with my invitation. And it's a cliffhanger. Maybe I'll let you know later. Today we're in our sixth meal with Jesus. Uh, we're in the Gospel of Luke. We're going through his meals that he shares with other people. Uh, there's about 10 of them. Uh, and Jesus is giving his final invitation uh, over a meal to the Pharisees. We'll be in Luke chapter 14, so you can, if you've got your Bibles, you can go to it. If you've got your smartphones, take that out. Luke's fourth book, the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through. Luke chapter 14, but when you come to scripture, you don't just want to like open it and read it and be like, oh, okay, got it. It's like a conversation. My auntie Terry, some of you know, uh, she's a member of this church. She says when you come to a conversation, you probably shouldn't open your mouth for about 60 seconds so you can kind of hear what's going on. You don't make a fool of yourself. And so we want to give Luke chapter 14, the 60 second auntie Terry, 60 seconds. Um, So I'm going to give you a little bit of context so we know where we're at. Jesus is on his, his journey to Jerusalem. He's getting ready to endure the justice of God and, and walk out his glorious moment of, of bringing salvation and offering salvation to all on the cross. And as he's going there, he's going around and he's getting rid of all the baggage that the people of his day have put in front of them that's coming in between them and the Lord. And so Jesus is going to sweet people like Martha, Martha and Mary. And he's, he's saying, Martha, you've been been doing so much of the work of God that you've neglected the word of God. And we came to that a couple months ago and and we were challenged with are, are you and I doing the same that we're doing so much for God that we forget to be with him? And maybe you need to grow in your no, grow in your no and say no to that sixth volunteer commitment so you can just spend some quiet rest with the Lord and with your family. And then we also looked at about a month ago. We saw that Jesus trying to get out the baggage that the Pharisees put in front of them. They were doing all the good things of their culture, but that was taken away from the God things, and so they were doing the bad things. And we were challenged with the question, are you and I also, maybe we're doing the same thing. We're saying yes to the good things of our culture. We're saying yes to youth sports and remodeling our home and saving for that new car. But those things are getting in the way of doing the God things, like joining with church fellowship truly loving your neighbor as yourself. And those things have become bad things. And as we look at each of the meals that Jesus has shared, we see that nothing is more important to Jesus than the salvation of every man, woman, and child that he comes across. Uh, a little bit further in our, our story, in Luke 19, Jesus gives his, his purpose, his mission statement. Luke 19:10, he says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came so that the dead would find life, so that the lost would be found, so that the damned would be redeemed. And Jesus in Luke 14 is having his third meal with the dead, the lost, and the damned, the Pharisees. And he's again giving them an invitation. What will these Pharisees do with Jesus' invitation of a lifetime and for a lifetime? We'll pick up the story halfway through uh, our meal. Uh, Luke 14 to the start of the meal starts out Jesus is at a a Pharisee's home he's a leading Pharisee and right away there's a trap laid for him the Pharisees are watching him closely and there is this man with dropsy it's a disease you and I know as edema it's like swelling of of your limbs from too much water you got some organ problems and they want to know what Jesus is going to do it's the Sabbath will he heal on the Sabbath how scandalous well, of course, what Jesus going to do? The story says that Jesus takes the man, he heals him, and then he sends him. And it's such a beautiful picture of what God does to you and I. He takes us, he heals us, and he sends us. And that's what we're doing right now. And, and the Pharisees, they're flabbergasted. Their jaws are dropped. They, they have no words. And so Jesus, he says, well, I'll have some words. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 7, he starts off his teaching. Luke fourteen seven, And he, Jesus, began speaking a parable to the invited guests. And he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table. When the Jews ate together in this way, what they did was they arranged their tables kind of like a horseshoe setting, you know, where you'd have at least three tables. And our picture, you can go to the next slide. Our picture just has one picture, but Jesus would be, um, imagine there's three tables. Jesus would be the seat of honor right in the middle. And then next to him at that table would be the next most honorable spot. And that's where everybody was clamoring to get right next to Jesus. They're trying to get so close to Jesus. And then as you go down the horseshoe of the the next tables, then your position is you're the third most important person, you're the fourth most important person, you're the fifth most important person. And they were all trying to claim honor for themselves. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 8, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, he straightens them out. Don't take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man. And in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. But you, when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to your Friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If you're going through this world fighting, for your own rights, demanding honor and respect for yourself. Jesus says you don't have to. And Jesus gave us an example to follow. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians. You can turn there. It's a few books to the right. Little book. About three quarters of the way through. Philippians chapter 2. When describing Jesus, the Apostle Paul said he was found in appearance as a man. Philippians 2.8. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Jesus didn't live for his honor. He lived from his honor. He didn't demand respect. He lived respectfully. And verse 9 tells us, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name and being invited to Jesus' table. That in and of itself is, is honorable. But to accept his invitation, you have to let go of your pride. Which is our first truth from our passage today. If you're following along, there's sermon outlines. Uh, Some of you came in, maybe there wasn't at the door. we printed some more. There are some. If you want to step up, grab one. Online, there's a PDF. First truth from our passage today. Let go of your pride and accept God's invitation. Let go of your pride and accept God's invitation. And it it doesn't matter if it's your first time accepting God's invitation or your 101st time. As we oftentimes talk about the three stages of salvation. The first time you accept Jesus' invitation, it's on this side of the stage, and it's called justification. And the penalty of your sin, hell, it's paid for by Jesus. And you have to let go of your pride to accept that moment. That's when you say the sinner's prayer, you come to Jesus, you're born again. But then, I remind you, God is an infinite God. We will always be walking toward him, and there will always be more and more for us to discover about him. And we're a part of that moment right now in what's called sanctification, where we become like Christ and we're saying no to the deeds of the flesh. We're saying no to that, that Netflix show we shouldn't watch. We're saying no to being rude and, and, and forceful to our loved ones. And we're saying yes to Jesus and yes to sharing his love. And that is us letting go of our pride time and time again, accepting his invitation for the 101st time. And you've got to let go of your pride to do it. We'll skip down to verse 15. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, "'Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God.' And this phrase, eating bread, I mean, maybe that sounds kind of random, but to the Jewish mind, this was not a random statement. For the Jews, they were often thinking about eating bread in the kingdom of God. It goes all the way back to the days of Moses when God and Israel were making a covenant together for the first time with um, the, the Ten Commandments. Right after the Ten Commandments, God invites Moses and 70 elders to eat with him up on the mountain. They share food and drink, and it's a covenant that is made, Exodus 24, 11. And then, King David, a number of years later, when composing his greatest psalm, Psalm 23, he declares that God has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And in the moment where David was surrounded by 10,000 foes trying to get him, David's trust was that he would share in a banquet with God. And in Isaiah chapter 25, you can turn there. It's a big book right after Psalms. Isaiah 25 verse 6. It's prophesied that the Lord of hosts will prepare, future tense, will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined, aged wine. And it's this meal that you want to be a part of, and it's this meal that that is on everybody's mind, and it's this meal that this man says in Luke 14, 15, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's this messianic meal. And all the people who are sitting there at the table with Jesus are sharing in a messianic meal. They are feasting with the king, but they are too blind to notice it. And they don't see it. And Jesus looks at them and he desperately wants them not only to share with with him at this meal, but in the fullness of this meal that you and I get to experience in part every communion Sunday when we share in the body and the blood, the bread and the cup of Jesus Christ. And it's a foretaste of the the glorious marriage supper of the Lamb that we read about in Revelation 19. Revelation 19, almost the very last page of the Bible, there's an angel talking to the disciple John, and he says, Revelation 19.9, the angel says to John, "Write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And these Pharisees, Jesus is sharing a meal with them, and he's inviting them face to face to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But they're not getting it, so he uses a parable. Luke 14, verse 16, our second parable of our meal. Jesus said to him, there was a man. He was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. You're in love. You find a woman. You say, will you marry me? Or she's in love. She finds a man. She says, will you marry me? And you say yes. And you guys are like, yeah, we're going to get married January 4th. It's going to be great. We have no idea the details. So we're saying, oh, save the date card. And we all have those save the date cards on our fridge. They're kind of cute. OK, they're getting married. They don't know the details yet. And then the couple like, finds a preacher, find a venue. And they send out their formal invitations. They ask for an RSVP. Are you coming? You know, and we reply on thenot.com or whatever. And, you know, back then... They did it in opposite. Our invitation with an RSVP comes second. Back then, their RSVP was the first invitation. So what's going on is that the master said, hey, I'm having this big banquet. Slave, go out and tell everybody, invite him. So he goes, he's like, hey, can you come to the banquet? And the guys were like, yeah, I'm there. So there, I'm coming. Okay. And goes back, tells his master this, how many people are coming. The master kills the fat and calf. He prepares everything. And then once it's all ready, he says, okay, go tell everybody who said they're coming because it's ready now. Okay, well, let's see what, what happens now that this feast is ready. Verse 18, Luke 14, 18. But they all began to make excuses. They had already said yes. They made excuses. Here's what the first excuse was. I've bought a piece of land. I need to go out and look at it. Consider me excused. Another one said, Well, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I've married a wife. For that reason, I cannot come. So the slave came back, reported this to his master, and the head of the house became angry. Well, of course he's angry. This isn't normal practice in Judaism or in our culture. It is just rude to break your RSVP. Verse 21, so, this, so he said to his slave, well, go out, go out at once into the streets, into the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the slave said, master, what you commanded has been done, and still there's room. So the master said to the slave, well, go into the highways and along the hedges, compel them to come in, so that my house may, may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. And this is a line in the sand moment for Jesus. He is passionate about giving his invitation to these enemies. And he's passionate that they would say yes. So passionate that this is a repeated teaching right before this meal. Jesus is preaching to the, the crowds and he says this in Luke 13, verse 24. He says, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, they will seek to enter and they won't be able to. Well, Why can't they enter if they're seeking? He tells us. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up to us. He will answer and say to you, I don't know where you're from. So you'll begin to say, Oh, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets just like Jesus is doing right now. He's eating and drinking with these Pharisees. He's teaching them. And the master will say, I tell you, I don't know where you're from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And in that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourself being thrown out. And this is a brutal warning that the text of our meal ends with. And Jesus looks at the men sitting around the table with him, and with complete love and desire to save these men who have been trying to claim their own honor, who, who sprang a trap for him. All the while, Jesus is going to lay down his life for them. He's, he's literally marching to Jerusalem to go to the cross for them. And in the most loving and truthful way possible, Jesus warns them to stop making excuses. Otherwise, they won't share in the lavish banquet in the kingdom of God those three excuses my land my oxen my wife three things that you and I often hold our pride in look at my land it's it's my home it's my shiny car i've i've got the house in the right neighborhood my car's tires are shiny Look at my oxen. It's my job. It's what I do. I'm the best at it. Nobody can do as good as me, so I have to work longer and harder than I ever should, and I have to neglect my family. I have to neglect my my neighbors, my social duties, because I'm the best at my job. Look at my wife, my friends, and family. I've got a growing Instagram amount of followers every day. Not me. (laughs) If If you go on my Instagram, it's not so good. But we see our second truth of today's passage. Don't let fame and fortune or family and friends distract you from heaven. Don't let fame and fortune or family and friends distract you from heaven, or you'll get hell, and there'll be hell to pay. Don't do it. So having seen that fame and fortune and family and friends can distract you from heaven, And having decided to not let that happen and having decided to to let go of your pride and accept God's invitation for the first or the hundred and first time, what is your responsibility as a recipient of this invitation? What is your kuleana as part of this banquet? Well, Jesus isn't the only one who invites people to a meal. Look at Luke 14, verse 12. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. It's easy for me to invite you to go to the beach with my family. It's easy for me to invite you over to my house for dinner. And I enjoy your company. I hope you enjoy mine. For those of you who are in the business world, you you invite somebody out to a business meal. You, You do a social outing with them, hoping to gain a business contract from that relationship. Back in the, the Judaistic culture that we're talking about, they were even more bound to the social connections. Who you shared a meal with was, was your social credit score rating, either higher or lowering it. But if we're honest with ourselves, all those reasons that you usually invite people are self-centered. Something that you'll get out of it because you enjoy them, because you'll get that better business deal. Because people will be like, oh, you had dinner with them. How cool. And that's the American way. But you and I were not followers of the American way. We're followers of Jesus' way. And in Jesus' way, he says this in verse 13. When you give a reception, this is who you invite. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. So if we're going to follow his way, we better know who are the poor, the crippled, the, blame, the lame, the lime. Who are they? As a younger man, I thought the only people that fit this description were the homeless men and women I see around Walgreens. And it's easy to see them. They, they look poor, they're ragged, and you're like, yeah, they're poor. And some of them are. But if that's the only people you think fit this bill, then you, like me, are deceived. And like Samuel, the prophet, was deceived in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Go ahead and go there. It's like the fifth or sixth book in the Bible, 1 Samuel 16, What's going on in the story of Israel is, is they just have their first king, King Saul, and he's very tall, dark, and handsome. He looks how a king should look. But God tells Samuel the prophet, Samuel, you've got to find a new king. Go, go and anoint somebody at Jesse's house. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and he's going to have all of Samuel's kid, or Jesse's kids paraded before him. And he sees the firstborn of Jesse, Eliab, and he's tall, and he looks very regal, like a king. And Samuel goes, yes, him. Because of his outward appearance, he definitely is a king. And God says this to Samuel in 1 Samuel sixteen seven, The Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Now don't worry, a, a lie of this, this man that's rejected is rejected from kingship, not from salvation. He's still invited to salvation. But he's rejected as, as king because God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And it doesn't matter if your outward appearance looks regal, like Eliab, or it looks feeble, like the men and the women that that we see by the Walgreens corner. God looks at the heart, and the kind of heart that God desires is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Psalm 51, verse 17. And that kind of heart can live inside a person who has a home or inside a person who doesn't have a home. So who are the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind that Jesus wants you to invite into your house, into your life, to spend time with? I would recommend that it's your next-door neighbor who is spiritually poor and can't buy their way into heaven. I would recommend... It's your kid's friend from school and their parents who are spiritually crippled, and they are powerless from their sin. It's your coworker who is spiritually blind and can't see the truth of Jesus Christ. It's your barista at Morning Brew who, who is so spiritually lame they are unable to come to God on their own. And it's those people that you invite into your life. And it's not scary. And most of them aren't dangerous. Your birthday is coming up. A holiday is around the corner. Have a barbecue for your neighbors, for the friends on on your kid's soccer team. Invite them to your house. Any excuse works. Just invite people who don't know Jesus into your life. Otherwise, we're stuck in this holy huddle. And this holy huddle is pretty fun. Like, I like you guys. It's it's cool to be in the holy huddle. We can talk Christianese. It's so fun. But Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 5.13. I told the kids, you're the salt of the earth. And, and one of our missionaries came, and, and she, she used the same analogy where she had a salt shaker, and she was like, it doesn't do any good just sitting inside here. You got you to gotta get it out. What if we all walk around Kailua town, we got our salt shakers, and we start like sprinkling on people, and we're like, ah, I'm the salt. Get some of Jesus salt on you. and I got like 500 of these back there. You can grab one on your way out to help remind you. We got to get our salt out of the shaker. Research says that there are 75 men, women, and kids who sleep on on the streets of Kailua without a home every night. 75. And some of them have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and they are ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go find them. Google tells me there's 50,000 people who live in homes in Kailua, and on the marine base. And some of them have a broken spirit and a contrite heart and ready to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go find them and sprinkle the gospel of Jesus Christ on them. But how? How do we do that? There's 50,000 of us. There's like 130 of us in here. Well, good news, there's more than one service. We have like 350 on a weekend. And... Not everybody comes every weekend, so we estimate there's probably six or 700 people who call KCC their church, their, their family Ohana. And Google tells me there's 22 churches in Kailua plus the chapel on base, so that makes 23. And if every church in Kailua was the size of ours, I have no idea, but it makes math easy, then every single church would need to go out and invite 2,172 people and sprinkle that amount of salt. And we can do that because if you divide that by everybody, that means that you and you only need to do 2.3 people per each of us. We can all find 2.3 people to sprinkle salt on. We can do that. 2.3 people. And you do it by being a family for them and revealing Jesus' love and truth through how you live and speak. 13 years ago, my... Wife Liz and I, we moved here from St. Louis, 4,000 miles away. Uh, My uncle and auntie, uh, they go here, and my cousins were here at the time. But other than that, we didn't know anybody. We didn't know anything. And we came and we sat right there where the the Smith Ohana is sitting today. And Pastor Perry starts out the service and he goes, Good morning. Morning. Happy Happy Sunday. And then he said, Hey, as a church, we want to be a family for you. And I was like, oh good, because I need one. KCC is a family for Pete. It's a family for Liz. We are in. We like this. And there have been many benefits from saying yes to the invitation of this church. Eight years ago, I got offered to start working here as a pastor. And for eight years, my income has been because I have said yes to this church Uh, currently, uh, three years ago, a a member of this church who now watches with us online invited to rent her home to me. And a a number of years before that, another amazing family from this church invited to do the same. And for many years, my residence has been because we said yes to the invitation of this church. Two years ago, somebody from this church invited to sell me their van, and I said yes. And so my transportation for two years has been because we have said yes to the invitation of this church. And when my AC goes out and it's a $2,000 fix and I need it fixed, somebody in this church who has said yes to this church offers to fix it because that's their business and I pay them and they receive their income from this church. Being a part of a church has good benefits. It's good to say yes to the invitation. But we can't just stop there. KCC can't just be a family for you because then we're back inside of our holy huddle. And I'll remind you to get out your salt shakers and get it out. And so we want to extend that invitation to not only be a family for one another, but be a family for all them who are outside of this family. All, all the thems in Enchanted Lake, all the thems on base, all the thems for those of you who live in, in Kapolei. We want to be a family for them who reveals Jesus' love and truth through how we live and speak. And when we do that, the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forth, and men, women, and children of our neighborhoods are invited into the kingdom. Amen? Amen? Step one is for you to let go of your pride. Accept God's invitation time and time again. And then after that, truth number three from our passage today. Let KCC be a family for you and then go and be a family for fill in the blank. And for some of you, you have a name in your mind that the Holy Spirit is rightly putting there, who needs God's family, and who God's already working on their heart to be a part of this family. Some of you don't have a name that's coming to your head. You're like, I don't know who to be a family for. Family for who? Take the sermon notes. Be praying about it. Put it next to your bed tonight. Maybe you'll wake up with that name or maybe you'll pray over it for two or three weeks at the dinner table and a name, your coworker, your boss, your neighbor, your friend, you can fill it in then. 2.3 people per person. The story of the homeless man who I invited to live in my house uh, just for those couple weeks, that, that story doesn't have a good ending. Um, I found out that while he looked poor, and he was spiritually poor, um, he didn't have a poor spirit and a contrite heart. Um, So he he rejected my help, and he he went out a couple weeks later back onto the streets and shared the gospel with him a number of times. As far as I know, he never accepted Jesus' invitation, and he tragically died a couple months after he moved. But that's not a good way to end a sermon. So (laughs) we'll try this one. Uh, a couple, uh, this week, last week, I forget, my son Truett and I, he's nine, we were walking home uh, from church. I just lived that way, um, and, and on my route, there's this homeless man. Um, many of you who've been around, you, you remember a guy that we would call Spider. That's how he introduced himself. He was the guy at Walgreens Corner who would throw shopping carts and yell at you and uh, real big, and it's like, well, pretty scary. He's got that tough shell, and it's pretty pokey, and you gotta stay away from it. Well, over the years, uh, been able to have a few conversations with him uh, now he sleeps on my walking lane and through the just through the the cracking that this world brings the hardships of being homeless the hardships of growing old this man's body and his spirit has started to crack that hard shell and god has started to peel it away and and it's revealed a soft tender heart this man's name is Dwayne. that's how he introduces himself pray for duane uh, his name's Dwayne, and he's got that soft shell, and, and I've been taking my salt shaker, and when he's sleeping, you know. And, <laughs> and I, we just have, like, short little conversations, uh, not long, maybe like two minutes, once or twice a week. And I don't think I've ever bought him anything except maybe a Coke once. And uh, a few months ago, I was like, Dwayne, do you believe in Jesus? He used to come here to get coffee. Are you a Christian? He's like, no, I'm not really a Christian. I don't, I don't know what I believe in. like, Okay. Um, well, this last week I was walking home with my son, True, and we see Dwayne, and I'm like, True, let's go talk to Dwayne, and we start talking story, and, and I'm like, hey, Dwayne, I was like, do you believe in Jesus? And, and he said, yes. And I was like, okay, well, let's see what you mean. I said, do you believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead for your sins? Yes. Cool. I was like, have you asked him to forgive you? Yes. Do you, do you want to follow him? Yes. I'm like, whoa, so you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Amen amen dwayne's a christian and i prayed for him on my way here you can continue to pray for him he might not have the language or or the energy like you and me have but i've asked him repeatedly over this last week and he says yes i'm I'm a christian and he identifies with christ i don't know who led him to the lord I, i never said a sinner's prayer for him but how amazing that this man has let go of his pride and he has accepted the invitation and I think that that's part of the, war, of the reward that Jesus had in mind when he said in Luke 14, verse 13, but when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And I think that part of that repayment is the joy you'll have of seeing your spiritually poor next-door neighbor becoming rich in the love of Jesus. And it is the celebration that you'll have when your spiritually crippled boss begins to wait on the Lord and their strength begins to rise. I think part of your repayment for inviting the poor, the blind, will be when you have the hope actualized and you see your, your formerly spiritually blind surfing buddy gazing into the face of Jesus at this banquet and you're sitting right next to him. Let's live out our mission. Let's be a family for all the thems we come across and let's reveal Jesus' love and truth through how we live and how we speak. Would you pray with me? And for those of you who have never accepted god's invitation to his banquet even for that first time god's knocking on the door he's inviting you and you feel a tug on your heart would you say yes to that invitation a simple prayer like this say father i accept your invitation i say yes rsvp would you forgive me of my sins i believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead help me to follow you and Lord, for the rest of us, we pray that, that we would let go of our pride in increasing ways and we would say yes to you more and more, that we would follow your invitation deeper each day. You would fill us with your spirit and that we as a church would be a church to, that, that continues to be on mission and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with those around us. We ask that many would be saved here in Kailua and around the island. In Jesus' name, amen.